Hello and welcome to Men in Charge. I'm Kevin Decker. And I'm Tony Flynn. Today we have a show that's best turned back over to Kevin to describe. Oh, okay. Well, this is part three of the big closer for the Schmalkaldic League. A lot of people have walked up to me, uh, in my dreams anyway, and asked the question, what is Habsburg punk? Well, it's steampunk. You erase the word steam with a pencil eraser. And you write Habsburg, which means it takes place in like the 15th century or the 16th century, right, as a result. And that's it. Well, what's steampunk? Uh, Steampunk is Victorian, but technology is advanced and people wear little eye goggles and speak to each other in strangely anachronistic ways and that sort of thing. So this is 16th century Victorian punk. Yeah, that's right. uh, (laughs) These 16th century punks have technology probably beyond their time. There are basilisks that you can ride on or fall off of if you're Jean Calvin. I gave your yeah. character the privilege of killing Jean I, Calvin I in this universe. That. That, was, that was several years ago. Uh, he deserved it. So this is <laughs> <He did. laughs> this is part three. And after having introduced you to the um, Neptunians who favor the explanation of the Earth's origin in Noah's flood and opposing them in episode two to the Vulcanists who believe that there was a fiery origin to the earth. The Schmalkaldics are in hot water, which is the title of this episode. So we hope that you, the listeners, have chosen sides, eager to smite down with God's wrath anyone who disagrees with the Neptonians or the Vulcanists, depending on which one you arbitrarily choose. That's correct. And hopefully the theological, geological carpets will not be pulled out from under your feet. (laughs) Fire listener or flood? The year is 1541 in a world much different from ours. Welcome to part three of an epic chronicles of the Schmalkaldic League adventure, their 16th century Protestant Europe secret coterie of spies, tinkers, and scapegraces whose every effort aims at foiling the Catholic Church and its protector, Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. In the previous two episodes, we saw the great powers of Europe draw together to explore and exploit two primeval forces present at the genesis of the Earth, flood and volcanic fire. There's a lot more complex and frankly confusing yet necessary background I could mention, but the characters have increasingly been hounding me for narratively overexpositing, so get, get on with it. it. See what I mean? So we'll just start. If you have trouble following the plot, don't blame me. And please note, since this is the very last Chronicles of the Schmalkaldic League, I, your faithful narrator, will have a tip jar available at the end of the episode. I appreciate your coins, cash, and if you do drop in your debit card, please also let me know the security code. Across the Balkan Peninsula, the noble basilisk flies. Its destination, Anatolia. On board the Howda on its back are five passengers, as well as a bloodthirsty trio of the Emperor's guard. I wouldn't think of making one of your notorious clever moves, Grimhilda, the psychosomatic poisoner. The bloodthirsty trio of my Emperor's guard have sharp pool arms, each of them dipped in anti-magic serum. <laughs> 
Ridiculous. There is no such thing as anti-magic serum. Your bluffs get worse and worse, Chuck Five. And your stalwart guards all appear to be air-sick. I also have the vigilant Count Crimson here. How much longer must I endure these creepy daughters of yours, Grimhilda? The Matterhorn twins are in a self-induced trance until we arrive, and you know full well who their mother is. In fact, that makes you... Let's not rehash Habsburg family history, Mitch. Intelligence from Count Crimson revealed you were taking them to Gordium in Anatolia. Anatolia, a rugged land that housed many failed and forgotten empires. The irony. Grimhilda, just as I'm aware of your little stop with the Matterhorn twins throwing off the careful balance I had tried to establish between the Vulcanists and the Neptunians by, ex- by executing Count Dubki, I hope you are aware that we will be making a little stop at the Vatican. Good. I need to go witchy, baby. Fine. Two minutes only, and wash your hands after. You're about to meet the mysterious Mr. Nepoletti. Vatican Town is pretty, but profane. I'd like to tell... Wait, just one moment. Are we picking up the Pope? Yes, Grimhilda. You'll be surprised when I reveal that... Quote, Mr. Nepoletti, unquote, is actually Pope Ted Derms the 52nd. The two names are anagrammatically equivalent. No, that can't be true. I'm manipulating all the letters of, quote, Mr. D. Nepoletti, unquote, in my mind, and the numbers don't add up. Uh, you didn't include the words, quote, and unquote in the letter count, right? Uh, because that's a cardinal error. No, of course not. But when you spell out the word 52nd, you end up with lots of letters and can't go into the anagram. You're spelling out Mr., right? M-I-S-T-E-R. Of course. Oh, (laughs) I get it now. The model number of the Pope 52nd is given in Roman numerals. So, that's L... I and I, all of which you need for Mr. Di Nepoletti, and so no F's nor T's come into the picture. There he is, old Pope Ted Derms the 52nd. You know, he shared his Christian name before he became Pope with me. Chuck? Better get ready for another shocker, Grimhilda. Listener, OSHA requirements force us to cut away from scenes that are so exciting there are a risk to incitement of heart attack or stroke. So while Grimhilda will have to suffer that little shocker, you won't. I'm just going to take a little narrative license and reveal that Pope Ted Derms the 52nd, and that isn't his real name, is just a clone of Emperor Charles V, and both are in collusion with each other. Really, announcer, you spoiled my second surprise and violated OSHA code. When I'm done with this scene, the actor playing me is going to phone in a report of a possible violation. Oh, yeah? Do it. Hey, I'm not playing. Hey, 
You know what? Your scene is over. Go phone him. See if I care. Honestly, I just can't believe the Holy Roman Emperor would spoil the last episode of Chronicles of the Schmalkaldic League by ratting me out to OSHA. Announcer, Steve here is neither holy, nor Roman, nor an emperor. Today's episode of Men in Charge was brought to you by the Pentagon. That's all you need to know. spirit of minimal exposition, here we see the gigantic Schmalkaldic League war wagon, the Macerator, macerating its way across the rugged and endless dirt mounds of southwestern Anatolia. Aldo Crasplasian, Countess Yuxkul in her new eel body, Vulcanist leader Isadora Delgado, and Habsburg army defenders of Christendom, Bob and Ray, are inside. Nice driving, Ray. Thanks, Bob. This grotesque leviathan-like vehicle of destruction handles like a pearl. You know, captive scum, a lot of people believe that just round here you can find the mountain what Noah's Ark landed on, low those many hundred years ago. Do they? What? Is it somewhere else? <laughs> they called it the landing spot Mount Ararat, because there was a mountain there before Noah's black powder went off when the Ark hit Ararat's peak. But there ain't no mountain anymore. Blammo! Your Hepford spies seem remarkably well informed in biblical hermeneutics. Oh, speculative theology is our hobby. That's right. All that exists now is a big hole in the ground, cratered to Rora, if you like, since a crater's opposite of a mountain. Today's science, with its advanced neck ruffs and Erlenmeyer flasks, tells us that when Noah's exploding arc combined with the receding flood, it caused an aqueous implosion. That makes absolutely no empirical sense. <clears throat> it's good to hear you up on the latest research there, Ray. The aqueous implosion which produced the crater also burned through the Earth's crust, destroying the next layer of geological formation. The jelly layer of the Earth. Yeah, the jelly layer. An aquifer of pure strawberry jelly. Some say boysenberry. Yeah, or maybe boysenberry jelly. Burnt the whole layer out, and that's what allowed the continental shelves... Uh, plates, I think, right? Oh, okay. It caused the continental plates to slide around on each other, mixing up the surface of the earth over many years. And of course, it deprived humanity of a free lifetime supply of delicious jelly through easy-to-construct jelly wells. Heresy! Ah, spoken like a true geologist. All right, everybody out. We're meeting the Emperor and the rest of your squalid gang at the crater. Ah, the sun is so bright, even to my puppet googly eyes. Sorry, Countess. I really didn't think it would end like this. 
don't beat yourself up, Eldo. At least you are here for our final operation. What really fries my japs is that I sent out a Schmaltotic League all call through Empathic Wave to all our agents, warning them of the crisis. So much for loyalty. No, you're wrong, Countess. It looks like the cavalry has arrived. On Basilisk, on Elephant, on Tricycle. In fact, on every conceivable type of crazy vehicle. Yeah, but about the Shriner's go-kart. Persuasion's not wrong, listener. Assembling at the very knell of doom itself from every corner of Europe, save Luxembourg for some reason, are all the second-string agents of the Schmalkaldic League. You've heard about them on the show's collectible training cards. But our budget has, until now, been too meager to afford them actually on radio. Look, there's Snowburn a half hour. Jay Quigley Cavett, the magical financier. And Quandry Hofstoffer, Tinker at Law. Nearly of Zimmeldau with her sword of Athens. Tiny Monty Flamboyard. And on the Basilisk, the Masked Vendor, a mysterious fellow who can procure any product from anywhere. And I recognize those two, Caspar and Pluto Horkelomer, the deadly circus clown twins. And with them, Don Brutal first. He assassinates people by feeding them too many sausages. We're saved! Die, social misfits! Ooh, I quite like this side of you, Bob. Oh dear, they wiped them all out. <sighs> nice shooting, Bob. Thanks, Ray. Now, the three of you head sunward. The crater's just over that hill. Meanwhile, just on the other side of that hill... So nice to catch up with you, Jack. Not a problem to give you a lift, your royal papalness. I thought you'd want to be here for the end of this bedeviling Protestant League. I take it there is some special significance to this great hole in the earth. Crimson, do you know? Nuh-uh. <laughs> it's the only verified bottomless chasm in Eurasia. We don't want the Schmorkodic League to come back, do we? So why did you make a clone of yourself, Chuck Five? Mm, Holy Roman emperors have had to negotiate with the papacy over the years. By having a doppelganger of myself in the papacy, I could not only control the state, but also the church. Plus, at least one of us gets to wear his cool tall hat. Oh, an imperial carriage approaches. And there is a hole at the bottom of Crater Tarara. Tossing you, Crasblasian, and the Countess inside, then permanently sealing the hole with the aid of the destructive energies of the Matterhorn twins here, is the only way to stop you, Grimhilda. It'll be a Tarara boom day, as it were. Paula, we're here. Margaret, and you've brought your insolent and ugly manservant with you, I see. I'm bejected in black as befits a widow. That heinous Crespasian killed my Alessandro. Mistress, why are there two Emperor Charleses? I'll explain later. Daddy has a thing about anagrams. Er, uh, who are these two girls? 
Grimhilda's new generation of witches? Uh, mistress? The girls? Your locket? Look closely at them, Margaret. When Count Crimson tortured and transformed these girls to increase their magical strength, you thought they were already dead. Ingeborg? Susanna? My daughters? Alive? Well, this is a little embarrassing. Count Crimson, who gave you the order to deal with these young witches so harshly? You did, Your Highness. Father, is this true? <laughs> Classic Habsburg in familial treachery. All right, that's enough. We are going to rid ourselves of these Protestant defenders and transform this world all at the same time. And Margaret, the sacrifice of your daughters is a necessary one. The power of fire and flood will be used to seal up the Tarara Chasm and dispose of these schmogodic morons forever. Now march! Listener, the stage is set, the players ready, and, for many of them, their fates apparently sealed. Isadora Delgado and Bob and Ray, defenders of Christendom, usher Crespasian and Countess Uxiel to the edge of the pit opened by Noah's fateful decision to carry pretty much all the gunpowder in the ancient world on board his ark. They're soon joined by Charles, Count Crimson, and their party. Oh, listeners, I can't look. No more delays. Throw the witch Grimhilde in first. <laughs> Your Highness, on the way here, your men told me about the destruction of the Earth's jelly lair at the end of Noah's flood. They said the continents have been shifting and scraping over each other ever since. That means there really is no one answer to the origin of the geography of this world. Oh, your point. I've devoted my life to the Vulcanist cause. How could we have been so misled? And we thought we had the Emperor's support. Oh, these girls tiresome. Men, tip her into the pit. <laughs> now, the witch. Goodbye, Grimhilda. It hasn't been pleasant. Come on, Grandma. Matterhorn girls, your mother has told you your proper names, Susanna and Ingeborg. An old prophecy says that two sources of eldritch energy would close a rift to the old world. Thank you for releasing us, old mother. We come to our ends better for having known you. Come on, with your dramatics. What is this? Wednesday night mass? Crimson, put her in the hole. The thing is, I hate prophecies. Don't touch those girls. Goodbye, Crossblasian. Countess, I must tender my immediate resignation from the small coded league. Grimhilda! What happened next occurred so rapidly and in such an indelibly visual manner that I have to describe what occurred for your benefit, listener. Grimhilda, falling without end, unleashed a massive explosion of magical energy, shaking the pillars of the earth. Bob and Ray, defenders of Christendom, fell into the Tarara chasm. Oi, you should have done that ninja sidestep move I taught you, man. Chuck, I taught you that ninja move, bro. Oh, whatever. So 
Whatever was happening, it seemed to reverse Fergan and Zmut Matterhorn's enchanted condition. Mother? Girls, it truly is you. I see your grandmother, Lady Johanna, in your expressions of snarling revenge. Quickly, Stanislav, let us get them away from this hellmouth. Is this the end of the world? Mother? On an unstable shelf of rock during the earthquake, Aldo Crasplasian, Hungary's king of puppets, finds himself on the countess's fishbowl of water, sliding down a cleft of rock toward the abyss. What I wouldn't give for a few marionette strings to keep me from falling. Here, Emperor Charles, hold this. What is this? A fish? Not just any fish, your majesty. Look into my eel eyes. Look deeper. They're quite small. It's hard to do. Ah, Grimhilda. Seems I'm coming to join you. Wait. Someone has my hand. You don't have a hand. It's a puppet's me. Come, Crimson. Why are you wearing your scarf over your face? And why are you saving me for the point? Frankly, it's you that needs a hand, translation. Or shall I say you need a phantom limb? Mechtield of the phantom limb? Oh, buddy! We thought you'd been squashed like a bug by the giant weasel of Prague. Grimhilda, bless her soul, gave me an enchanted powder that transformed the giant weasel, saving my life. For months, I've been tracking you down. What about the real Count Crimson? Ah! Let's hoist you up and get you away from the end, shall we? And then I can finish my story. And just a handful of cubits away, Noah kidding, the Countess had successfully entered Emperor Charles's mind. I'll give you credit, Hepsburg pig dog. You have an extraordinarily powerful spirit. Your occult powers won't help you now, Countess. All I have to do to complete my infiltration of your mind is a little distraction. Oh, good luck with that. I write poems all day and never get writer's block or off-task. Poems? Really? Perhaps I have misjudged you, Charles. What are they about? Loneliness and love, really. Here's my latest. Flowers are green. Chicken and steak, you're the hottest mistake I've ever seen. (sighs) Don't tell me. It's trite. The fact that the world could lose that poetic potential for the rest of time makes taking over your body so much easier, Emperor Charles. Here is my distraction. It turns out I was an electric eel. (laughs) Don't think too hard about it, listener. We're wrapping things up. Switch successful. Goodbye, Emperor Charles' mind. It's been ill. <laughs> well, I guess it wasn't truly bottomless after all. I hate to say, we might have one more little problem. It looks like the Countess is safe in Charles's body. What's the little problem? I might not have been doing it right when I used Grimilda's transformation powder on the giant weasel of Prague trying to concentrate on turning it into something small and harmless. An image of a pygmy marmoset popped into your mind. Yeah. An image of a giant one. Yikes. Into the flying pan. Matthew, Count, uh, 
Charles V, do the macerator. The surviving Schmalkaldic's hot footage of the monumental war wagon, the macerator, a vehicle once piloted by chief Protestant agitator Martina Luther herself. Uh, 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 we're safe. But the Pope beat us to it. Not so fast, Brother Charles. It's a good to see you. I'm afraid there's been a change of management, Pan Pope. I'm the Countess von Uxkill now. You know, I should have switched like this earlier. It would have advanced a Schmalkaldic victory a lot sooner. You could have fooled me. I'm afraid that I, your Pope, with the Margaret of Parma and her retinue, got here first. Your papalness, whatever you're doing, make up your mind. Mother, let us defend you with the residue of our powers. You girls will never have to do magic again. I want you to live out the rest of your childhoods without getting involved in... in the family business. Aye. Have you seen what's out there? There's room in here for all of us to escape. Ah, the pygmy marmoset only eats bugs. And we are bug-sized to it, Stanislav. Let me start the infernal combustion engine and get us out of here. Mechthild, I need a co-pilot. I've gotten pretty good at driving with only one hand. Wait, the Pope looks just like Cha- uh, just like me. What deception is this? When I get my larger, newly managed hands on you, Pope Ted Derms! And so, the game between us can continue, Countess. Arrivederci! Ciao, ciao! Schmalkaldic League, without your brave Grimhilda's intervention, I would have never gotten my daughters back. Let us consider bygones to be bygones. Says the five-time war criminal. Everyone, hang on! Here we go! And that's how a very long chapter closed in the history of the Schmalkaldic League, 16th century Protestant Europe's premier coterie of spies, tinkers, and scapegraces, whose every effort aimed at foiling the Catholic Church, etc., etc., etc. And at tale's end, I think we can all agree that, despite some tragic losses, they did a pretty good job today. Well, that's irritating. I was almost done. Hey, can't you see the red light? I'm on air. What the hell? All right, announcing person. No sudden moves. I'm Director Millicent Lestrange of OSHA. OSHA? What the hell is that? Occupational Safety and Health Administration, sir. We've had some complaints about you spoiling plot points and giving listeners heart attacks. What? That's absurd. These are serious charges, sir. I'll have to ask you to come with me and my two agents here to our hidden bunker. Please come peacefully. Ingeborg, Susanna, would you cuff him, please? You can't do this. OSHA has no jurisdiction here. I want to speak to the American ambassador. Let's get going, agents. This is going to mean a lot of paperwork. (laughs) <laughs> K 
Kevin, I have no idea whose turn it is to thank the cast, oh. but this is your script, so you thank them. Okay, I'm going to thank everybody today, Tony. Uh, we Whether or not they participated. Well, exactly. I'm going to thank you and you and you. No, Steve Martin did that. <laughs> uh, we'd like to thank our cast for today's uh, concluding epic, Jody Stewart Strobel, Steve Lloyd, Miranda Lloyd, Nancy Roth, Ann Porter, Tony Flynn, Kevin Decker, Nisha Schramm, and we celebrate the triumphant return to the cast of Garrett LaRue. We'd also like to thank The Bad Plus for our theme music, Seven Minute Mind. We'd also like to thank the three or four folks who uh, are always willing to uh, clean the ketchup off the wall. Carrie Boyce, Vern Windham, Nisha Schramm, Samantha Rothi, and the only man to have seen the Broadway premiere of this musical, Spider-Man, Turn Out the Dark and Lived, Brian Lindsay. 